Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. Where I started off last week, we talked about last week, equipped to equip. We are equipped, you are equipped to equip others. Today I want to talk to you about equip to love. Equip to love. We've been talking about David and how David, God transformed his life. David, we all know in Psalms 51 where he cried out, God created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from thee. In other words, he was making a confession of prayer that, God, I need to make my life right before you. I always pray that, God, every time I, when I go into prayer, I always say this. There's no kidding. Every morning when I pray, this is my prayer. God, make me right. Make me right in your sight. God, make me right in your sight. I'm not here to try to please man or anybody else, but I'm here to please you. So, God, make me right in your sight. And whatever what I'm saying is, God, change me, rearrange me, fix whatever needs to be fixed in my life so that, God, make me right in your sight. Only you know, God, the insides of me and the outside of me. Man looks at the outward appearance, but, God, you look at the inside. So, God, fix what it needs to be fixed in my life. So I always pray that. God, make me right in your sight. But in Psalms 51, verse 13, I want to pick up where I left off there. I was talking about last week. Go ahead and put that up there if you would, please. Psalms 51, verse 13. Where is that? It says this. Then, this is what David said. After I've been clean, after I've been made right in your sight, he says this. Then I will teach transgressors your way. In other words, notice what he says. I can't teach people the right way of life if I myself is not living it. If I'm not living right for God, if I'm not living right in your sight, God, then how can I teach transgressors the principles or the laws or the things of you if I myself am not living it out? So he says, then, after I made myself right and after you created me a clean heart, God, then I'm capable and able to teach others. So he says, then I will be able to teach transgressors their way so that sinners will turn back to you. So in other words, what David is saying, God, make me right so that, God, they can see Jesus in me. See, I always say this. Why would people want Jesus if they don't see Jesus in you? You see, why would you buy a product if the product that everybody wants to buy is not producing what it's supposed to be producing? You're not going to buy that product. It's the same way with people. Why do people want to come to Jesus if we ourselves are not being a representation or example of Jesus? So David is saying, God, create in me, fix me, make me right in your sight so that, God, once I am right, then I can teach others. I like this. He says this. David knew that he had to change before he could expect others to change. You see, notice what he said. He didn't say, you have to change before I change. You have to do this before I do that. In other words, David took the responsibility that, God, I have to change first before I can expect others to change. I remember some time ago when, when I first got married to Cheryl. Cheryl is a very tidy person. Man, I remember, man, when I got married to Cheryl, every Saturday, no kidding, for one solid year, every Saturday, this is no joke, 
every Saturday, we would go to Cheryl's house, her parents' house. No kidding. Now, I'm an adult. She's an adult. We're married. We have our own household. But every Saturday, Cheryl would have to go to her parents' house to clean her mom's house every Saturday. I kid you not. So Cheryl grew up under this man of having a tidy house and this and that and the other thing and so on and so forth. But one of Cheryl's pet peeve was that, hey, CJ, when you get out of the shower, guys, maybe you can relate to this. When you get out of the shower, please open up the shower curtain so it can dry better. And I get out of the shower and I just leave it all bunched up and so on and so forth. And she had a thing about that. And so she would always get on me. Like, hey, CJ, CJ, pull the shower curtain closed so it can dry. And you know what? Finally, she just gave up and she just let me be myself. And all of a sudden, what happened was this. One day, I just got convicted. I said, you know what? How easy it is just for me to slide that shower curtain. And you know what happened after that? When I started, man, sliding that shower curtain, my wife changed. Guess what she changed in? She wasn't nagging me. She wasn't like a dripping faucet. She was, man, she was changed. But you notice what had to happen? I had to change first. That's why I can say this. She's not here. <laughs> but I had to change first. And once I changed, guess what? She was that cat that was purring. The point is, I can't, you can't expect others to change if you yourself aren't changed. And a lot of times, we have to look at ourselves in the mirror. We get mad at the world around us, but ask yourself, are you doing exactly what they're doing? Listen to this. Change is when you stop doing old habits that hurt you and others. Go ahead and put that up there, honey. That's what it hurts others. You have to change. Is what you got to change old habits, old ways, old lifestyle. People remember you from your past, but do they know you of your future? I like this. Change is when you see it. Is when you see it, and not just hear it. You get that? You see, talk is cheap, but action is deep. You see, you can always say your change. Anybody can say your change. But people don't want to just hear you say you're changed. They want to see it that you're changed, that you really are changed. And how is change? Not changing your hairstyle, not changing your clothes or this or that and the other thing. It's changing inward. You see, what goes inward will come out outward. And so you have to change inward. So people will know, sense, and feel that something different is about you because you don't have to tell them they're going to see it. You see, you are a representation or an example of Christ. And you don't have to necessarily a lot of times tell people you are a believer or a Christian or a follower of Jesus because people will see it. They'll see it by the fruits or the actions that you bear. So that's why it says in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, it reads here in Matthew 7, verse 16 through 20. Go ahead and put that up there. It reads here, it says Matthew chapter 7. Go, go ahead, honey. It says... We have a new one on the, on the board today. And so it says in Matthew chapter 7 that you can't pick thistles or thorns from the, from the, from the tree. You got it, Pastor Andrew? All right, I'll go here. But Matthew chapter 7 talks about that. He says, by their fruit. Now watch what he says. By their fruit, 
you will recognize them. Okay? So in other words, you have an ID bracelet. You have a recommendation. You're, you'll be identified by this. Do you pe people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In other words, what Jesus is saying, he has a parable that he's trying to make a definition between believers and unbelievers. Believers and unbelievers. He says this, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. How many know that's true? Every good tree bears good fruit. I don't know about you, but Dan Stevens, when he goes to his place in, in Texas, uh, man, every year he brings home or sends home grapefruit from his grapefruit tree. And I get some of the benefits of that. And I mean to tell you, those grapefruits that Dan Stevens sends home and those oranges that he sends home from his trees that he has there in Texas, I mean to tell you, they are unbelievable. They're just incredible. You can definitely tell that that's a great grapefruit tree or an orange tree, and it produces good fruit. Then he goes on to say, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. In other words, what is a bad tree? Maybe the roots or the foundation or the branches are not getting the nourishment that they need to be able to produce the fruit. Maybe it's not being watered enough so it's dry. The, the bark and the, the trunk is becoming hard. And isn't that just like us? We become dry and hard and callous, and when we become dry and hard and callous, we're not getting the, the, the nutrients that we need in our lives, and so that what happens, we become old, crumpet, and crusty, and mad, and sad up, and, uh, up at the world instead of being joyful and happy with the things of God. And then he goes on to say, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. In other words, you can't have fresh water and salt water mixed together. You can't have good fruit and bad fruit together. You can't. The Bible says you can't serve one master and, or two masters because you're going to love one or hate the other. In other words, you have to make a decision. Either I'm going to walk this life out or I'm not. You can't have one foot in and one foot out. You can't be teeter-tottering because guess what? You can't serve two masters because you're going to love one or you're going to hate the other. And so you got to either decide. Either I'm going to be all in or I'm going to be all out. You can't be teeter-tottering. Otherwise, if you're lukewarm, which is teeter-tottering, what does God say? He will spool you out of his mouth. In other words, he doesn't want you to be lukewarm. He wants you to be hot or cold. How many know what I'm talking about? In other words, he wants you to be sold out. I remember when we were playing softball, we were in a tournament. This is when we were a pastor in Minneapolis. We are in this big major tournament. My brother-in-law came up, and my brother-in-law, he has won 12, 12, possibly 13 now, he's won 12 national foot, uh, softball tournament rings. And they look like Super Bowl rings. You should see. He's got 12 of them. He wins them every year just about in Vegas. He's won 12 national softball tournament rings. And I'm going to tell you, so he came up, and, man, he played with us, and we had a great team. But our slogan was, we're in it to win it. We're in it to win it. And so guess what? We went into this tournament, and there were some great teams. And we won, we won our first two games, and then we lost our third game. So then we were down in the loser bracket. But guess what we did? We held on to, we're in it to win it, and we came through the loser's bracket until the end, and we won the championship. The key is, are you in it to win it for Christ? You cannot be one foot in and one foot out. you got to be in it. To win it, you will never win if you're not all the way in. You have to be in with Christ all the way. You can't be halfway or the other. That's why it says good fruit can't bear bad fruit. 
He said, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the what? Fire. And it goes on. You, you throw, Thus, there by their fruit, you will recognize them. So in other words, what happens is you have to be in it to win it. Do people recognize you by the fruit that you bear? The fruit that you bear. That's how people recognize you. You cannot call yourself Christians or disciples if we are not acting like him. You cannot call yourself Christians if you're not acting like the Lord. People want to see authenticity. They want to see the realness of Christ in you. That's why David cried out, God, create in me a clean heart. Transform me. Change me. Rearrange me. Make me new in your sight so that others can see that I am different. That's why Deuteronomy says that you are peculiar people. Peculiar means different, set apart from the world. That you're not of the world, or you're part of the world, but you're not of the world. That you're different. That's what makes us peculiar. That's what makes people attracted to us, that, man, something's different about him. We need a Joshua spirit. A Joshua is one where the spies went out, and they came back and reported, we cannot do it. We look like grasshoppers to them. But Joshua and Caleb said, no, we can conquer. We can do this. In other words, what happened was they had a different kind of spirit, and the different kind of spirit that Joshua and Caleb had was, I'm in it to win it, and I'm going to show people that Jesus is more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't have to bow down, but I can look up and God will pull me up as I stand strong for him. Amen. And that's what God wants you to do. I hear this all the time. I counsel quite a bit all, all the time. I counsel a lot. And when I counsel a lot, I hear this all the time. Man, my, my, my family is this and that. I, I, we have a black sheep in the family. And, man, because I have a black sheep in the family, they represent our family. And our family's not that way. But, hey, they, they, they act like this. And it hurts our family because they act like that. Or I have a brother and sister. And, man, she acts this way and he acts this way. And, man, when they act this way, it really brings a lot of pain and a lot of hurt to mom and dad when he or she acts like that because that's part of our family. And our family is not like that. How many can relate to what I'm saying? And you get the scar or you get the pain of how he or she acts. And, man, as parents, man, we take on that burden of our our sister, or I mean our, our daughter or our son that maybe has gone wayward and we take on that pain and, man, we, we're ashamed or maybe we're embarrassed that he or she is acting that way. And it hurts us. It's the same way with Jesus. The Bible says that you are heirs of the Lord. You are sons and daughters of Christ. He's adopted you into him. And he says that in Ephesians 1, he says that you've been adopted into the kingdom that you represent the family of God. And when you represent the family of God, that means that we need to live like the family of God. And when we walk out of that and we do things that, man, hurt others, it also hurts him. I love what it says in John chapter 15. John 15, verses 8 through 12. It talks about there about bringing glory to the Lord. Go ahead, put that up, honey. It talks about bringing glory to the Lord, about bringing the God, his, his presence, and, and, and that kind of thing. And so, do you, do you have, amen. <laughs> All right. We're getting it. This is to my Father's glory. Now, watch this. you got to get this. You, you have to get this in your heart. I don't know about you, but I want to be in it to win it. 
I want to be all in. I want to be sold out and radical for God. I don't want to be lukewarm. I want people to be attracted to me because of what's inside of me. Not because of what I have and how I look and how I dress. I want them to be attracted to what's inside of me. He says, this is for my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. That you bear much fruit. What kind of fruit? Good fruit. Showing yourself to be my disciples. Woo! Disciples means his hands and his feet. You and I are his hands and his feet. How are we going to populate this world with Jesus? It's through you and I. We are his mouthpiece. We are his hands and his feet extended. And people will only accept you and Jesus if you are real and authentic. And he says this, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Now you got to get this. Remain in my love. In other words, be steadfast. Be grounded in my love. Don't be moved off of my love. Don't be let things shake you and get you upset and irritate you and get you out of the realm of love. What is happening in our society today is that we're moving from the realm of love to the realm of hatred, bitterness, anger, resentment, jealousy, rage. That is not what God wants us to do. He wants us to be steadfast in our love. With him. And when we love God, guess what? He's going to help you through the storms of your life. You know, the Bible says if they strike you on one side of your cheek, let them hit you on the other. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that there are people that are not going to like you, there are going to be people that are going to put you down, but that doesn't mean you have to jump in their, their pool with them and be the same way. You have to be ones that love and forgive and accept because that's what makes us different. And he goes on. So I have loved you, now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. What does he mean by that? His command that he came down. He came to live, but yet to die. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, remained in his love. He remained in his love when he died for you and I. He could have walked away from the cross. He could have walked away from the scorning. He could have walked away from the ridicule. He could have walked away from the rejection. But he remained in his love. What about us? I've always known that the old cliche is when things get tough, the tough get going. That's when we really identify our love. When things get tough, mark the tough get going. In other words, we start showing the fruits that are in us through the pressures that maybe we're going through in our lives. You see, I don't know about you, but how many have different types of toothpaste? You got Crest, you got Colgate, you got this, that, you got AIM, whatever. There's different types of toothpaste. But you will never know what's in that container or that, that tube until you squeeze it. And you will never know what's inside of you or the fruits that are inside of you until you're squeezed. That is the true factor or the barometer of knowing where you are with Christ. How are you acting when you're squeezed? 
Are you remaining in his love? Are you remaining in his presence, remaining in his peace? He says, you remain in me just as I have kept my father's command. I have told you this so that your joy may be complete. Now watch this. He says, may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Ooh, man. What is God saying, Summer? He's saying, love each other as I have loved you. But if you want to take this, I, I, you got to write this down. Things that bring glory to God. Man, you, you want to bring glory to God? There are three steps that bring glory to God. and It will be on the screen up there. Number one is this. Things that bring glory, that you put your faith in him. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So the first step to bring glory to God, in other words, bringing glory to God is making God happy. How many of you want to make God happy? Amen. I saw on, on, on the Facebook yesterday that Deb Christian, that Deb Christian, man, had got some flowers given to her by a friend and somebody took her out to eat. And you know what? She got so excited, if you've seen it on Facebook, that somebody brought her some flowers. That's bringing joy or glory to her or, or happiness to her. What brings glory or happiness to God is by number one, that you walk in faith. What is this? Putting your faith in him means trust you. I trust you and I believe in you. That's what that means. That God, I trust you and I believe in you. So if you want to start walking down the road of glory and making God happy, number one, it starts by, God, I put my faith in you. But then the second one is this. God, that I follow you. The Bible says in Matthew 4, 19, come follow me and I will make you fishes of men. Follow you, God. Where you lead me, I will follow. It's not easy sometimes to follow. Sometimes God may call us to do something that's out of our comfort zone. Sometimes God will call us to do something that, man, is totally not of us and we're going to sit back and, oh, God, call somebody else to do it. But you know why he calls us servants? Because servants are willing to do whatever he calls us to do. We are servants of the Lord. He says this, come follow me. Following him means at any cost. Whatever it takes, I will follow. God, whatever it takes, I will follow. Man, trust me. My brother is here again. I like referring to my brother because you can understand the, the validity of the story. Man, my brother will tell you, I lived ate and drank basketball. And when God called me to give up basketball and walk away from my scholarships, I'll tell you, I'm not kidding you, Scott. I'll move back into my house. I move back in with my parents. I'll never forget this art. I'll never forget because you're a ball player. I'll never forget. Man, I'm now making my decision to go to North Central. You know what I did? I went my, outside. We lived on Roslyn Avenue there in Racine, Wisconsin. I walked the streets, man. I was mad. God, why are you calling me to give up basketball? God, this has been my God all the time. And you know what he did? He said, that's right. It has been your God. And now it's time to lay it down. And I walked those streets, and I cried, Harlan, like a baby. God, this is all I know. This is what I am. This is my DNA. Man, I prepared for this opportunity to go on to bigger and better things in basketball. God, why? 
I'll never forget. Andy, I'll never forget. I cried. But you know what? When I laid it down, when I showed God I was willing to follow regardless of the cost, that's when God lifted me up. He sent me on the North Central, and that's where I became All-American, All-Conference. God said, see, you thought you had a plan, but if you follow my plan, I'll make it bigger and better for you. But he wanted to see, will I lay it down? Number three, that you live for him. You, you want to make God happy is that you live for him. God, I, I, I'm going to live for you. So what is this? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my faith in you. I'm going to follow you, that I'm going to live for you. Philippians 1, 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That, God, I'm going to live for you. Man, how many of you parents, come on, you get so excited when you see your daughter and your son excel. And the first thing you want to say is, that's my boy. That's my daughter. That's my kid. That's my grandbaby. I was telling my board members today, my son CJ sent me a video of my granddaughter. She's 10 years old and she's in a basketball tournament, even as we speak right now. She was playing against Adrian Peterson. If you know Adrian Peterson, he used to be the Vikings running back. She was playing against Adrian Peterson's daughter in a, in a, in a game yesterday. He sent us this video, my son, uh, my son did, and Adrian Peterson's daughter is guarding my granddaughter. And my granddaughter, mind you, is 10 years old. And if you know anything about basketball, she's already got the Iverson crossover. She, man, put the ball up real, real high, made the girl go that way. Boom. She took off and went to the left. She broke the girl's ankles, man. And my son like, yeah! In other words, she blew by her. That's my girl. That's what God sees in you. You want to make God happy? Folks, listen to your pastor. You want to make God happy? Live for God. Be all in. Be sold out and radical that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I don't care what people think, say, or do about me. I'm living for him no matter the cost. I'm laying it down. I'm going to let my light and my salt be known around the world that people will see Jesus in me. And when you do that, the angels in heaven are applauding. God is rejoicing. And Jesus is saying, that's why I laid down my life for him and her. Because they're living it out for me. Amen. Come on. That's what God wants you to do. You see, listen, living for him means showing yourself to others that you are like him. Living for him is showing the fruits of him in you. God did not call us. Now, you got to get this. You got to get this. God did not call us to be judges. You got to get this. God didn't call you to be judges. James 4 verse 12 says, there's only one judge, there's only one lawgiver, and that's the Lord. But what God did call us to be, he called us to be fruit testers. You shall know them by their fruit. If their fruit ain't living right, if they're not acting right, we're not here to be judges and put them down. We're here to pray for them, to lift them up and say, hey, I recognize your fruit ain't right, so I'm going to be there to uphold you. I'm going to make you accountable. I'm going to help you and not condemn you. I'm going to love you and not put you down. That's what we're called to do. You see, in verse 12, it says, 
of verse 11 of that verse that we talked about in Matthew, so that your joy may be complete. This verse sums it all up. Our joy is complete when we hear or bear his fruit in us. When you start walking in his, the joy or start bearing his fruit, guess what? Listen, Bob, when you start walking in the fruit of the Spirit of God, that's when your joy is going to be complete. Why is that? Because when you walk in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, if you ever notice that love and self-control are the beginning and the end, because you have not love, if you have not self-control, it's like books on a bookshelf with, man, it all falls down. But when you start walking in love, you can hold your head high. You're not going to be so easily offended. You're not going to be so easily upset. You're not going to be so easily mad at your coworkers or your boss or your friends. Because you know what? I choose to walk in love. And because I choose to walk in love, I'm going to stay in joy. You have a choice. The Bible says that you are the gatekeepers of what you let in and what you let out. You have that choice of what you let in. Oh, that's good. I'll let that in. Oh, that's negative. I'm not letting that in. Oh, I choose not to. Oh, you are the umpire that calls the balls and strikes in your life. You will remain in joy if you walk in the fruit. You will remain in that. When you break the law, you pay for it. How many know that's true? You break the law, you pay for it. But if you do not, you stay in peace with yourself others, and with God. It's the same way. When you stay in the fruit of the Spirit, you're going to remain in the peace. The enemy wants to get you all upset and mad. He wants to distract you. He wants to get you off course. He wants you to be clenched like this. It takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. If you take your fist and you clench it for a long period of time and then you open it slowly, guess what? You're going to feel fatigue. You're going to feel like it hurts. Because why? When you frown and when you're always upset and mad, guess what? It's coming at your muscles. It's coming at your nerves. It's coming against your emotions. And it's making you tense. And all you're like is like a bulldog that wants to pounce on somebody. But if I remain in love, Steve, if I remain in love, no weapon, no word, no thought, no deed shall harm me. And what happened, now get this, get this. What's happening in our society, in our world right now is the words that are being said, the things that are being done. You think that that's not a ploy, Harlan, for the enemy to distract you for what's more important? I told my brother the other day, him and I were driving his new truck, and we were driving back from our house to our cabin. And I said to my brother, I said, listen, he said to me, he said, CJ, are you getting caught up with all this stuff that's going on? I said, man, I'm well aware of all this stuff that's going on. I'm not blind to the stuff that's going on. He said, well, what do you think about it? I said, well, what can I do about it but pray? I said, the one thing I do know, one thing I do know, that my lamp, my lamp is full of the oil. That if Jesus would come today, I know that my destination is going to be with him. I'm not going to be able to change. I don't know why I'm getting all worked up and all worried about this, that, and the other thing. Hey, the Lord said all these things are going to happen. This is going to transpire in the last days. This is going to take place, and that's going to take place. I don't want to delay God's return. God, all I want to do is be ready when you do return. Somebody say amen. amen. We get caught up with all this stuff. Hey, I want to just get caught up with Jesus. 
Right? Look at this. That we love one another. In Matthew 22. What time is it? In Matthew 22. Look at this. 34 through 40. You got to get this. You got to get this in your heart. In Matthew 22, verse 34. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. The Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert of the law, tested him with this question. Here it is. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Which is the greatest commandment? How many of you are being tempted right now, being tested right now? Your fuse is being lit by the enemy. He's trying to get you angry. He's trying to get you mad. He's trying to get you off course. He's trying to get you to go due south instead of due north. He's trying to derail you. He says, which is the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, to love the Lord your God with all your heart. What is the first commandments? Exodus 20. He lays out the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, verse 1. And the first commandment is what? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That, God, I'm going to love you first and foremost over anything else, God. You're the priority of my life. You're uno. You're number one. You're the star. You're the prize of my life. He says this. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your, what? Go ahead. And with all your strength. You got that? He said, you're mine. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now look at what he says the second commandment is. This is not a suggestion. Jesus, Phil, is not suggesting to us. You see, a lot of times we take it or leave it. We take it as a suggestion. Oh, maybe he is just su suggesting this. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. The only way you won't love your neighbor as yourself, if you don't love yourself, Brian. That's the only way that you won't love your neighbor. If you don't love who you are, and you don't know who you are, and you don't feel a sense of love and peace and joy in your own heart, guess what? You can't love your neighbor as yourself because you don't love yourself. But when you know who you are, that you're more than a conqueror, that you're heirs of Jesus, that you're royal priesthood, that you're children belonging to God, and you know who you are in Christ, you can hold your shoulders high, your head up high, and know that I'm more than a conqueror. I am a king's kid. I'm a child of God. I've been brought with the blood of Jesus. I've been removed from the sins and the scars and the stains of my life. I am made new in Christ. And if any man be in Christ, guess what? You are a new creation. That means yesterday is gone and today is here. That's something to celebrate. Now, come on. Give the Lord praise. That's who you are. You have something to celebrate. Now listen, love is a fruit of who Jesus is and who he is all about. Love. He's all about that. Jesus loved us and he gave himself for us so that we can share that same love to others. Now, I thought this was fascinating. You got to get this. The word love occurs 567 times in the Bible. I think that's pretty important. Amen? 567 times. People love. Love people when, get this now, love people when they least expect it and least deserve it. Get that? 
love people when they least expect it and least deserve it. Can I say this? And I don't mean this to be funny. Maybe it's a small town thing. I'm not sure. But when Cheryl and I do something nice for people here, people are always like, what do you want from me? I, I, is, that, is, that, is that something here that people do here? I, I, I don't know. Maybe. I know that a lot of people move to small towns because they want to hide out. But whenever I try to do something nice sometimes, it kind of bites me in the tail end because people don't know how to react when they do something nice. I'm like, man, maybe the word bad is good. Maybe the good is bad. I don't know around here. I, I'm not quite sure. But do something when they least expect it and they least deserve it. Now, here's where I want to get to. And we're going to have to go back and pick this up next week because I knew that. Galatians chapter 5. Watch this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Now, look at this. Ask yourself, are you walking in these things? David said, God, then I will be able to teach transgressors your ways. What ways? This. But the fruit of the Spirit. The spirit that lives in you. Don't you know that the same spirit, the Bible says, Rachel, that raised Jesus from the dead, now lives in you. That spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, now it lives in you. So since it lives in you, how are we supposed to be? Love. Look at that. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, Kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Woo! Check that out. And that's not me telling you. That's God. The fruit of the Spirit. Love is not just a feel-good word. Love is not just a feel-good word. It is an action word. It's an action. It's like faith. Faith without works is dead. It's the same way with love. It's not just a feel-good word. It demonstrates what you have on the inside. Love is an inward expression, an inward experience with an outward expression. That I'm not just going to tell him or her that I love them. I'm going to show them that I love them. I'm going to show him or her that, man, I honor him or I honor her and I, I love them. I'm going to show my kids that I love them. Because it's an inward, inward experience with an outward expression. It's not just a feel-good word. You see, I don't have time, and I'll pick it up next week. It's part two. In 1 Corinthians, go ahead and turn it there, and as I close. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 7. It gives these verses of Scripture where it talks there. It says this. Is that... My body to, wait, that's not it. You got to go back, honey. All right. But it talks about there. It talks about giving you love. Love is, is patient. Love is kind. Love is good. Now watch this. If I speak, now this is number, verse 1. You got to get this as we close. You got to get this, Michael. Jane, you got to get this. You don't just be summer hearers of the word. You, you got to be doers, Jamie, of the word. 
We all can be hearers of the word. I can turn on the word and I can, on Bible apps, and I can do all that kind of stuff to make me feel good and ease my conscience that I read the word or heard the word. We can do all that, but you got to be doers of the word. You got to put into practice that what you hear. Now, watch what he says. If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Wow. Check that out. Man, if I have the gift of prophet, prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, look at that. Check that out, Robin, Mother Teresa. Faith that can move mountains, but do not have love. I am nothing. Wow. You see what God is saying? That our foundation is built on love because Jesus loved us first and we love him next. And our foundation, if we're founded on love, we're not going to be easily moved or angered or disturbed by things that are going on around in our world right now. I'm going to remain in love. I love this. Watch this. If I give all the possessions to the poor and give over, go ahead. Can you help her, Becky? My body to the hardships that I boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Lord, you see what he's saying? You can, you can even empty out your bank account, but if you don't have love, what good is it? What are you basing your stuff on that make everybody applaud you or you really do it out of love? But look at what it says. Look at what love is. And ask yourself when I read these verses of Scripture, these end, and, and I end with these, ask yourself, am I walking in this? Am I teaching others this? Am I being an example to Christ? So here it is. Here's your barometer. Here's your measuring stick. Love is patience. God, I want patience, but I want it now. Love is kind. Are you being kind at home? Is your tongue being a double-edged sword? A fork? Does it envy? It does not boast. It does not, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. Wow. That's a pretty big report card there, isn't it? It does not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. All we do when we get angry and blow things up, and then we're left picking up the pieces. It keeps no records of wrong. Some of you got a suitcase full of records of wrong. He did this, she did that. If you carry it around a suitcase full of wrongs, guess what? You haven't asked for forgiveness. You got your bags packed for the wrong things. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with, go ahead, the truth. Why does he say rejoices with the truth? Because if you follow those principles, you got to get this now, Patty. If you follow those principles, you walk in truth, you're going to remain in love. 
It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. That's what love is. How many of those tests did you pass? How many of those things in our lives do we need to correct? Do we need to correct patience? Do we need to correct kindness? Do we need to correct anger? Do we need to correct perseverance? What do we need to correct that, that we need to change so that others can see and others would want in us? Will you stand with me this morning? Next week we'll pick it back up. I, I want to get to where really where God really wants to do some big things. But I want to challenge you. Adventure Church, let's be a loving church especially to one another in here. Because out there, we got the sharks. But in here, we have the lambs. You know what we need to do? We need to love one another. Accept and forgive one another. Support one another. Help one another. Lift each other's arms up as Aaron and hers. Because this should be this right here. Mark should be our safe place. We should be able to come to church and not be judged, put down, or talked about. But we should be prayed for. It should be our safe place that we can love one another. The Bible says, greet one another with a holy kiss. No, I'm not asking you to kiss me. But I'm asking you to love me. That now that we come and we feel safe because we're in the arms of Jesus and with the lambs of the gentle. I want you to bow your heads with me real quick. Nobody's looking around. I'm not going to have you come forward, but I told you I want God to start working on us right now. Maybe in your heart right now, in your life, there's some areas of your life that you say, Pastor, the Lipness test that you just took right now about love, there's some areas of my life I need to change. I need to change. I need to change my attitude. I need to change my heart, maybe I'm angry, maybe I'm not being kind, maybe I'm not being patient. And Pastor, will you pray for me? Will you ask God to touch me? If that's you, no one's looking around. Just slip your hand up right now. Wow. Just slip your hand up. Wow. Pastor Andrew, I just want you to look. Just because you and I pray, we pray for the staff. Unbelievable. All over the place. Must be 50 hands. You put them down. Father, I thank you. You're doing a work. I pray Philippians 1 6 for every individual here right now. He who began a good work, he's working on you right now. He who began a good work will carry it out to completion. Don't give up, don't give in, don't give throw it on the towel because God hasn't given up on you. He's working in you right now. He will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, our Lord. So today I want to remind you that raised your hands. You are under construction with God right now. Touch the areas of their lives, Lord, I pray, that need to be changed, rearranged, transformed, and made new. I thank you, Father, for each individual here. Lord, let us be Adventure Church a church that loves, forgives, and accepts. Let us be a light and salt to the world 
let us not hide our light under a bushel, but let people know, sense, and feel that something is different here at Adventure Church and that we are loving, caring people. Thank you, Father, for every individual. Bless them in their household. Go with us in our going and in our going out. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Can we do that? Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. We love you in Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider supporting us. You can make an easy and safe donation on our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com give. Thank you for your generous donation.